Hi, Pip and Izzy. It's Anna leaving you a message about why I feel Friday is a really, really important day to get out and vote. Um, I just feel it's really, really important for, well, I feel it's important for lots of different reasons, but I suppose the most important thing for me about voting on Friday is that my generation, as the policymakers, speak up so that our younger women don't have to have this unnecessary struggle and so that they have better health and better health care and that they're safe. being 14 and um, my mum just came into the lounge and I was just sat watching telly and she was like if this ever happens to you we go and we get it sorted whoa <laughs> Jesus she was like we don't need to tell him we don't tell anyone we just go and we get it sorted so it's like that was like I, I know some people would be like oh well that's not you should, You would have had the right to a decision but like I think that was good parenting that's really good parenting I mean, I don't think that this is bad parenting at all, but I remember when, you know, I first started having sex and I think my mum worked it out pretty soon after because um, I was pretty bad at hiding anything from her. But I was I was pretty young, I was 15 when I started having sex and she said to me, you know, if anything happens and if you do get pregnant, um, I'll look after it. Don't have an abortion. Whoa. And it's, but this is again, like one of those you know, one of those opinions that she has kind of in the back of her brain, which kind of don't really make it forward to the frontal lobe. Like, she doesn't really... If I had an abortion, she would definitely support me, whatever I did. But but she, you know, she kind of would say stuff like that and I think wouldn't necessarily have thought through all of the consequences of what that would mean. But yeah, like, that that I found really interesting. I also remember turning 20 and being so relieved you know, that I would never be a statistic, that I would never be one of those teenage pregnancy statistics. Because that was, like, the big thing when we were kids, right? Yes. When we were, like, teenagers, teenage pregnancy was, like... In the UK was so high. In And that is one of the most interesting things, I think, about long-term policy playing out well when it works. Because mm-hmm. in 1998, uh, um, when we were just kind of getting to the cusp of puberty, I suppose, um, it was... Yeah, we had the highest rate of, I think, teen pregnancy in all of Europe. And now it's been halved by 50%. Mm-hmm. And that was that was long-term sex, sex education, education. Mm-hmm. involvement of communities and parents. Um, and, like, clinics like the Brook Institute and that kind of thing. And, it yeah, it works. Sometimes it takes a while, but you have to institute long-term things, I guess. Yeah. I do remember this vilification of that group of people, though. The vilification of like young women who got pregnant or mm. young girls like yeah. who got pregnant like the teenage pregnancy thing being like the, the ultimate yeah it's the ultimate it was the daily mail yeah i guess like modern day daily yeah. mail um you know islamic terrorists yeah <laughs> sort of yeah. thing like that was the thing that was on the front yeah. pages like constantly was like teenage women getting pregnant teenage yeah. girls like it's pregnant. fashionable yeah yeah like, yeah they do it for the money they do it for the benefits yeah. and and you just didn't want to be a teenage pregnancy. Yeah, like I was oh, so sure. desperate not to be a teenage pregnancy. For sure. I um I remember that the uh, in Birkenhead, 
uh, in Wirral. Um, there was a there was a, a very excellent clinic, and I remember our school. Um, you know, they had speakers come in from the Brook Clinic, like young people that what they called mentors coming in, maybe only in their early twenties, talking about well, you could go and you can get contraception, you could go and you could get the morning after pill. You, they didn't perform abortions there, but you could go and you could talk to a counsellor, um, and just these really great things, especially. Um, in a place like Birkenhead as well which has a lot of poverty it was just on the doorstep of everybody it was everybody could go there I got the bus there with a friend um, you know from the you know the wealthier town down the road you know like everyone because this like the banning of abortion also just completely or the you know the, the socioeconomic tragedy of this is that it always affects poorer people more as well of course like and that's what you're kind of seeing with this with this debate mm. in Ireland is that like yes some people can get to the UK but some women can't get to Dublin from rural Ireland mm. so what are you supposed to do yeah and uh, for me i remember growing up and reaching a point in my i would say mid 20s um after i actually started being in a relationship with you know my current partner now thinking okay this is the moment where if i got knocked up I wouldn't go down that route. I wouldn't have an abortion. But that was the first time. And and, and I've, I've discussed it with a few friends and we kind of say it in a bit more of like, sort of like a light-hearted way, kind of like, yeah, when's the point that you realise that if you got knocked up, you'd probably just have it. You'd probably just like have the baby even though you were still quite young. Um, and that sort of betrays the fact that we talk about it like that in such a light-hearted way betrays the fact that we had so much choice yeah and yeah. we have this ability to kind of choose pregnancy and to choose not to have a pregnancy yeah. and after having gone through a pregnancy childbirth and now motherhood um at this point i would say that it is utterly criminal to make a woman do that to make a woman go through pregnancy childbirth and then the endless condition of being a mother unless you choose to do that it's such a massive undertaking on your body a huge undertaking on your physical mental and emotional strength that I think that if you make a woman do that if you make someone actually have to go through that then that is that is criminal that should be the thing that's prosecuted I think that it's like it's and again it's just the ultimate it's just again it's just slavery I just see it as slavery as well and I, I like try, I try not to get too hyperbolic when I talk about this stuff and when I think about this stuff but I do I just think it's slavery I remember being really surprised when we talked about um and I really want to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to find this offensive anyway, anyway mm. or that I'm being any, in any way judgmental um I was really surprised when you were like when we talked about your decision to you were like oh it wasn't an option yeah. and I was really surprised by yeah. that yeah, it wasn't an option for me at that stage, like having having an abortion. But that was because I've I'd made a decision many years ago to have kids with Dominic. Right. This is something that's been right. coming for years. Right. Like this is this it's Got something you. that I have yeah. chosen to do with my life. Got you. Motherhood was something that I'd ne- that I never questioned. It was something that I always wanted wanted yeah and dom was always going to be the man who i would do that with right. and so if we ever got pregnant together yeah. and that's even something that i thought when i was much younger when yeah. i was 26 when I, I still had you know very good permanent con- contraception in in the form of the coil i still think i still thought oh if 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 an anomaly happens and if i do happen to get pregnant yeah then um then i would have it it was never an option right. yeah. to terminate a pregnancy that i got with Dominic it was yeah. never ever an option but I just I was really surprised by how harsh you were on yourself in that decision yeah but that was 
that's something that I had chosen years yeah. ago. No, really, and, that's a path that I chose to yeah. go down yeah. years ago. And, you know, for me to say it's never an option is not being an anti-abortionist mm-hmm. perspective at all. But it's just that that's a choice that I made yeah. years ago in this current situation sure. with my current partner. Well, that's the thing as well, isn't it? You can be pro-life for you. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely, if you have the capacity to have a baby and you become pregnant, go for your life. Mm-hmm. Have a healthy pregnancy, learn all that you can. You can be pro-life for you. You cannot be pro-life for anyone else. That is when you become anti-choice. Yeah. You can make that choice for yourself and your subsequent choices in terms of your sexual health and in terms of your contraception and in terms of you know how you conduct your sexual life, that will reflect that choice that you have made for yourself. But to make that choice for another human being, especially when you have male organs and you are unable to conceive, have a pregnancy, give birth and embark on motherhood, if you are making that choice for someone else, then you are just a repressive person. That's that's all you're doing. You're oppressing a group of people who you can never empathize with. And, you know, for me, a lot of this, when I think about the arguments, when I think about the debates and stuff like that, actually, a lot of it isn't about protecting the life of that unborn fetus. Not at all. It's about it never different, is. insidious things. It's because, and I think what's really interesting, um, I think uh, not bearing out the statistics in Ireland here, which obviously we're kind of focusing on because we're talking about this vote that's happening next week on the 25th uh, to repeal the Eighth Eighth Amendment to the Irish Constitution, um, which criminalises abortion and doesn't allow doctors to treat women uh, in the way that they need to be treated if they have problems and doesn't give women the choice over their own bodies. Um, But if you're looking at the US, for example, I think I'm pretty sure that in the US, Mississippi is the most difficult state to get an abortion. It's also got the highest rate of child poverty and child mortality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that the hypocrisy around that is staggering. Mm. These people don't care about children. Mm. They care about power over over women and over women's bodies. Mm -hmm. And these debates always play out on women's bodies. I think it's really interesting to compare the vote in Ireland that happened um, in 2016 for the for gay marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, first country in the world to um, to to put to a referendum whether or not le- uh, gay marriage would be legalised. And that was such a big thing and it was such an important thing and a wonderful thing and a wonderful celebration. And then, and, and it's like, wow, that's so, I, I, was, I was kind of confused by it because I was like, wow, that's so progressive. And like, and then, but then when you get a little bit further and you look back at this debate and this and this vote it always comes down to women's bodies being the, play, the the fight for the moral soul mm. of a country yeah and and it just i was um i was doing some research looking at different hashtags really that the repeal that the yes to repeal movement you know um the the pro choice movement has been making and i kind of went down like loads of different kind of corridors that you can do of, of all these different um different kind of arguments and and that kind of thing um and i don't know whether you saw the baftas a couple of nights ago the baftas were on and there was an irish actor called um brian f o'byrne and he was in a, a, a drama called little boy blue which was about the murder of Reese jones in liverpool and he was given a thank you speech and he was talking about so obviously he's got this bit of a connection with liverpool but then he also made this really poignant point and he said it was oh god it was really heartbreaking he said i just want to thank the liverpool women's hospital 
for providing this care for our women. Mm. And he was like, and I want to thank Britain for caring for our women. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. And it just, I just found that so emotional that, that these women must feel so betrayed by their country. And I think we all know that feeling. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I know. A fair amount of us know that feeling at the moment. And yes, you know, we can talk about Brexit. And mm. I think both people, just as an example, just using it as an example, not as a, a political jumping off point, but people who are both leave and remain can, feel, can, now, can now probably quite squarely feel betrayed because whatever that we were promised is not happening if you were either leave or remain. But that affects everyone. That's screwing all of us. Mm, yeah, we're all in it. Together. We're all in it together. We're all Thanks, David Cameron. We're all equally getting fucked over the barrel, mm. <laughs> you know. But with this, this is this is so. This is women, and it's it's so gendered. And um, I was reading something just before I left, which was about you know Irish women being the fabric of society. In uh, yeah, women just being the, the fabric of society. In, in Ireland and not giving them that choice and that autonomy and this idea that when women have the choice to to get an abortion or to discontinue a pregnancy or to terminate a pregnancy the like the oh the, oh, the whole the whole the, pl- the plug will be pulled out the mm. you know it's absolutely ridiculous no so um just jumping off exactly from what your point is um that this is like specifically a women's issue um in 2018, well, actually just a couple of months ago, in February 2018, there was a report issued by the UN, which was talking about the situation in Northern Ireland and basically trying to uh, make the point that it could be a violation of um, women's rights um, in terms of the right um, not to be not to be in a degrading situation, not to be subjected to a torturous situation. And um, one part of the report that I found really interesting was that it said, denial of abortion and criminalization of abortion amounts to discrimination against women because it is a denial of a service that only women need. And it puts women in horrific situations. So women were sub- subjected to the mental anguish. Uh, women are the ones subjected to the situation of having to carry a baby to term with even a fetal, uh, fatal fetal abnormality. That's the situation in, in Northern Ireland. In Ireland, um, rape, um, rape, incest, f- fatal fetal abnormalities are not reasons to have an abortion. Um, so basically that means that women are being made to take to term pregnancies even in the situation where that baby isn't going to live what what is the what is the sense in that mm. what on earth and, and is, the com- is like lack of compassion is just it's it's so incredible mm. you know to to think that women who have to go through the trauma of seeing a baby that is not formed properly inside of their uterus and then being made to take that to term to nine months even with all of the health complications that go with taking a pregnancy to full term and then having the horror of of a birth to a baby who you will know never you know will never survive mm. outside of the womb it's horrific mm. it is. to think that that is the case in northern ireland and and ireland and that women have to travel they have to go to the uk in order to access services to to terminate those kind of pregnancies and i think what was what i found really again heartbreaking was that um thinking about what's called the the Liverpool Island abortion corridor uh, because obviously it's very cheap to fly to um to Liverpool from Ireland it's also you can get the ferry which is less I think some people feel like is less intrusive because when you go to an airport 
you always feel like you're doing something illegal, <laughs> even mm. when you've got nothing on you, you know, and you go through and you go through security. But, you know, people feel like it's maybe less intrusive to get to get the ferry over to Liverpool and that's easier to do. Um, I was kind of researching about the this, um, you know, this kind of corridor as it's been traditionally known since the 60s and 70s, actually. And um, uh, I was looking up that earlier this year, the Liverpool Women's Hospital has had to pull back on the abortions that they can provide. They have had to restrict it to women who are between 16 and 20 weeks pregnant who have um, terminations for medical reasons, that they have a very specific um, chromosome problem, mm-hmm. where, which is, is a fatal fetal uh, abnormality, um, because they're having to prioritise, because NHS cuts are so huge in mm. Britain right now that they cannot provide these, they have to prioritise NHS um, patients. Uh, so they're having to turn away Irish women and again it just highlights that you know this is not a problem that Ireland should be exporting mm. um, and it's been quite interesting to see a lot of the campaigns actually I have chosen not to really look at the, the no campaign because it's just so negative and so horrible but I have been quite heartened by seeing stories um, and obviously Twitter is this great bastion of these kind of discussions that kind of thing I, I, I did see some pictures of a um, of a uh, beer mats in pubs in Ireland and some yes campaigners going into these kind of what we'd called old man pubs mm-hmm. quote unquote and a lot of these men being saying that they were disgusted by the no campaign and the manipulation and the negativity mm. of it um, and it's just really heartening to hope that men get involved with this that's the most that is the most important thing really because it's I mean it's it seems like a very obvious thing for women to be involved in it and it seems like a very obvious thing also for women to be against um the um against the abortion law as it stands today and to want to repeal the eighth but they can't win it by themselves because it takes a majority and unfortunately women don't make up a majority unless every single woman in the entire country voted and they make up about 51 percent of the population usually so we need or they need men to get involved and unfortunately i don't think it really often is seen as something that is a societal issue so much of the time it's seen as a woman's issue and really it should be seen as a societal issue because women who have choices or women who are given choices on pregnancy and on motherhood and whether they want to conduct themselves in those uh, in those roles they make totally different women in society as well Women who are constrained, women who are living under a situation where they are constantly being oppressed in these ways are very, you know, act very differently in society to women who have the freedom to be able to choose. And so it is a societal issue. It's something that affects every single person in society. But I guarantee if I ask some of my male Irish friends, and we have a couple here in, in, in Berlin, I think that they'd probably say, oh, it's not my issue. I'm not going back to Ireland to vote because actually that's another thing about this repeal the eighth. You can't postal vote and you can't proxy vote, which means that you have to go back to Ireland in order to vote. And I think this is a very cynical ploy to stop it from passing because they have such a large, young, expatriate community living in the UK and also living in Europe as well and all over the world. So they're kind of like hoping that those young people who will predominantly vote to repeal the eighth, they're hoping that those people don't have the means to actually come back and to vote against it, but uh, or vote vote to repeal. And I think that a lot of men, for instance, in that expatriate community won't really see it as their issue, won't really, you know, see it as something that's important for them to do because it's seen as a female issue. And that, a human in a way, <laughs> that in a way is is 
gonna totally skew it because it is a referendum that demands a majority and that majority can be only made up if men turn out and vote yeah hello uh i think the referendum is basically the latest chapter in what's been an ongoing process of ireland moving away from its catholic dominated recent past I don't want to make generalizations, but certainly like from from that background uh, that I'm coming from, that I grew up with, is there's a fair line of misogyny that runs straight down through it. You know, it's even written into the Irish Constitution that um, it doesn't it doesn't say exactly a woman's place is in the home, but it basically says something very similar, and that the the place of the woman is to raise up the the sons of Ireland and stuff. It's just just completely anti-women agenda or like that or that women have their place and this is their place and it's decided by us and well you know i'm delighted that this referendum is is happening and i hope they fucking crush it um a lot of the campaign the um Together for Yes campaign, for example, which is very kind of front and centre, um, uh, dealing with a lot of kind of putting front and centre a lot of medical practitioners who are just heartbroken by the fact that they can't care for for, for Irish women in Ireland, like you know, and um, uh, that's been really interesting as well because you know you see a lot of these really heartbreaking stories of you know women travelling on their own and being very lonely and being very frightened and having these horrible you know experiences because do you know what? We don't all have abortions as con- as contraception. Mm. No one wants a fucking abortion. <laughs> yeah? No one. It's not a nice thing. No one wants one. So, do you know what? It's just... The person who's having the worst fucking day having an abortion is not some fella who really believes that life starts at, con- at conception. It's the woman who has to fucking have it. Yeah. that's. I think it's really convenient for a lot of men to believe this fairy tale that life starts at conception and know themselves that they will have absolutely nothing biologically to do with making that child when having gone through having gone through pregnancy and childbirth i have never been so unbelievably astounded at nature you know like i think you you know from a very young age how babies work and how babies are you know conceived and 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 how they're born and it's you know in mummy's tummy and all this kind of stuff but you don't actually realize the man has to do zero <laughs> apart from a pleasurable act you know 9 months before the thing's actually born that's that's it biologically speaking that is it and that carries on that's not just the pregnancy and the childbirth that carries on you know my body is still a vessel for this child i have to watch still what i eat and what i drink and what i do in order to make sure that this milk that i produce every 3 hours for my child who is in that stage in life where he has to drink milk every 3 hours you know, is good and it's clean and it's healthy and it's, you know, going to make him into a very strong little child. Like, that is such a massive toll on someone's body. And I'm happy to do it because I've made that choice and I love the fact that I have a baby now. I'm so happy. But that was my choice. Mm. Putting a woman into that situation where she's having to do that and, and having a child that is so biologically dependent on her and having, you know, that massive toll taken on her body... Being able to say, yeah, life, life starts at conception. As a man, 
who has to do fuck all in order to gestate that kid and in order to give birth to that kid and in order to like keep it healthy for the first months of its life is incredibly convenient for them. And the only reason that they're saying that is so that they can oppress women, so that they can basically take away choices of women and so that you know they can impose their insidious views on on young women. And it's so it's so telling when you see those those pictures of the no campaigners and they are, they are usually made up predominantly predominantly of um of uh of men mm. older men and yeah it just it it's just rank it's just it's so it's so sickening um but yeah i think i think also one of the points i think i was trying to make as well was like that i think it's really interesting and it's so tragic you know you see all these really sad stories of people who wanted babies and the pregnancies aren't viable and they and as i say you know their doctors can't care for them so they make the, the journey to the uk to have a termination and then they can't take that baby home you know they can't you know that they, they have to leave them behind and i think that's a really tragic thing as well um but i think it's really interesting that obviously the the together for yes campaign and a lot of these doctors for yes campaigns they have to put that front and center because they have to put the most dramatic thing put front and center to say you mm-hmm. know this is about saving people's yeah, lives yeah. you know mm-hmm. um uh, people like um is it savita halapanava who died yeah in uh, 2012 mm-hmm. because they wouldn't you know mm-hmm. just just horrendous things but but yeah I, I just and I know I'm a you know my le- my liberal upbringing and I was told that, that if I was if I got pregnant it would be very quickly sorted out mm. um but you know just sometimes women also just make mistakes couples make mistakes and you know you should just you should just have the option to mm. like, you know yeah why is it like why does it have to be this like very dramatic thing you know again yeah. it's like they can't have the choice you can't trust them Ugh, it's punishment for sexual liberation we have the audacity Sorry, to have sex when we want we have the audacity to take the power away from the man in that sense you know sex has always been used or uh, in any in many ways as a tool by the patriarchy to suppress to oppress women and sexual liberation and contraception and abortion basically takes away so much of that power from the man like I know biologically speaking I feel so much less free than I did 10 months ago and that's not you know I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because I made that choice but I'm not free to do whatever I want now you know I'm not free to kind of like gallivant around the world in any way that I want anymore because you know I'm part of this unit now that needs to protect and needs to nurture this young child that we've just chosen to bring into the world and when when a woman has to do that when she's made to do that it is a form of oppression it's a form of suppression and it's suppressing that choice and that ability for women to function in society the way that they want to and and I think that you know anyone who is anti-choice I don't say pro-life because I think that's a ridiculous statement yeah they're not um it's anti-choice essentially anyone who's anti-choice is is pro-oppression of women it's basically pro making women um act in society the way that they want to and we're over it hi Bipidizzi uh this is Sinead I wasn't really sure what way I was going to approach this topic it's so important for the future of Ireland Irish women, Irish women's rights. There's so many ways you could go about it. But I figured I'd just go straight to the point. 
So regardless of the outcome of the vote on Friday, yes or no, it's not going to change anything regards women having abortions. They'll still do it. They'll still go abroad seeking medical care. They Some have been taking abortion pills illegally in Ireland without any professional medical help. And some of you have been taking more drastic measures, risking their own lives. It's really quite grim. But a vote for yes would mean this will change. I mean, people who don't want abortions, they won't have them. It won't affect them. But it just makes it safer for the women that want this to do so. They're not going to risk their lives. And also it means they'll have access to therapists, doctors, all different types of care and information so they can make the right decision just makes things safer. So it's really important that it goes through for for safety and for women's sake. And I hope the country doesn't let us down. That's all I have to say, really. Thanks. Bye. Do you want to talk a little bit about Northern Ireland? Yeah, I do. I think Northern Ireland has to come into this conversation as well because we are talking about repeal the 8th and how important it is that people um, go back to Ireland and people in Ireland go out and vote, fantastic, but that is also an issue that is kind of in another country for us and they have a, a, a really lively conversation going on there and it is definitely something that is um, very alive in Northern Ireland but we should have a conversation as well about something that's going on in our country, under our constitution and that is what's happening in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. So in Northern Ireland, you can only have an uh, an abortion if there is an adverse effect on the woman's mental or physical health that must be real and serious and must also be permanent and long-term. And this includes the risk of suicide. So um, pregnancy must be under nine weeks and four days of gestation. Um, And... That's precise. Yeah, it's very, very precise. And it also can only happen if it is in order to preserve the life of the woman. Mm-hmm. So those are incredibly tight perimeters in which you can function. It doesn't You allow... have to be dying. Basically, yeah. Are you dying? You need to be dying. Yeah, basically you need to be dying in order to get an abortion, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, it's completely anti-choice. So in the situation of rape or incest or a fatal fetal abnormality, there's you know, not, not a chilly chance. And, um, which I kind of, in a way, I'm like, they are sticking to their guns there, right? This whole idea that, you know, birth or, or life starts at conception, they are sticking to their guns. I find it more insidious, in fact, when you have this situation where uh, abortion is illegal apart from in cases of rape, incest, fatal fetal abnormality, and um, in, in terms of the, the health of the woman. Because I'm like you know that this is wrong. Mm, you know, yes, you yeah. know that yeah. it's not about the fetus. Yeah. It's not about that fetus living. Yeah. Um, because a woman who hasn't chosen to get pregnant, i.e. through rape, mm. she can have an abortion because she hasn't chosen to get pregnant. Mm. She hasn't made the choice to have sex. You know, she hasn't made the choice to be free with her body in society. And therefore, she can have that fetus taken away from her. Like, she can, you know, have an abortion. But in the situation where that woman has gone out and chosen to have sex and chosen to put herself into a situation where she could get pregnant, not a chance. So that is, like, it's more obvious in Mm. a way Mm -hmm. that when people do kind of, like, make that distinction between women who have been raped and women who haven't been raped, then basically what you're saying is if you have chosen 
to have sex, we're going to punish you for that choice. And the only the only reason that we're going to take or like allow you to have an abortion is if you say that you've been raped Mm -hmm. because that was not your choice. Yeah. Which is crazy, which basically admits that this whole thing about it's, you know, a fetus is alive from conception. This is a total lie. Yep. Yeah, so the, the, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. And I really hope, and I think it's really interesting uh, listening to the Guilty Feminist podcast about this, mm-hmm. um, maybe last week, on the comedian uh, Alison Spittle, uh, which is very funny. Um, but she um, uh, she made the point that, like, you know, with you know, with the, the marriage referendum, uh, uh, equality uh, in marriage referendum, you know, there was a party and, you know, it was a celebration. No one's going to be out like, yay, we had our first legal abortion. Mm. It's about grief, actually. It's about actually grieving for the women that we've lost mm-hmm. or, you know, who or who have been rendered infertile by backstreet abortions mm-hmm. or abortion pills or who take, you know, between now, I was reading today, I think it was between now and the 25th, the day of the referendum, I think something like 54 women will travel. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just monstrous. It's just, it's just wrong. So once the repeal, I'm hopeful. I really hope so. And we wish you all the best ladies of Ireland. We're with you. Mm-hmm. One of my good friends is flying home from Edinburgh to go and vote, which I think is amazing and a really good thing to do. Um, tonight in Berlin, there's a fundraiser for people to fly home. Mm-hmm. And, Listen, they can't stick it out forever. The, the, this is the future. You, you get, get with the fucking times. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get on the bus. So, yeah, hopefully. And then, and then we need to talk about Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And we need to, because that's, that's our, as you say, that's our constitution. It's, it's really important that people in the UK realise that our government is currently basically in a coalition. I know it's, you know, this kind of like cash for votes situation that they have, but it is essentially in a cash for, for votes or coalition or however you want to put it with the DUP, who is ardently anti-abortion. And that's our government. That's our government in 2017 well, <laughs> no, but that's what it is yeah unfortunately exactly. that is the government that rules over 2018 love 2018 <laughs> wow. there we go yeah, 2017 yeah 2018 yeah, yeah. so wasn't the happiest episode mm-hmm. we've ever done wasn't the funniest episode we've ever done but it is something that is really important to both yeah, of our it is. hearts i just just sick of it they can they can get to fuck <laughs> like, um so yeah we're, we're wishing you a lot of love and a lot of luck ireland in this in this vote we will be watching very closely and we really really hope that in the next episode we can say repeat um and uh yeah so i didn't make you a cake again you brought me cookies. I did bring you cookies. I bought you cookies from Eurovision. Thank you very much. Oh, because we both watched Eurovision. Swedish cookies. Swedish cookies apparently taste like Cheerios. Crunch, they, crunch, 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 crunch. And bake, bake, bake. I mean, they taste like they've been fifty percent butter, really. Yeah, that's, that's what you want. But they're only seven calories each, so that's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's fine. Um, so, if you liked this episode, oh, yeah. then please follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and follow us on Facebook at Sistrionics for all of those things. Like Histrionics, but with an S. So yeah, also everyone, we are on the iTunes. iTunes. So we could do with reviews. Um, five star reviews. Five star reviews, please. We could really do with some reviews. Um, we'd really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed it. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, we've done that. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll speak to you next time. This is Sistrionics. Sistrionics.